Um, Durham is how many miles? Two, out, two and a quarter hours north of here, uh, just south of Newcastle. And Chesterley Street is um, between Durham and Newcastle. It's about six miles north of Durham. Uh, it's where Durham County play their cricket. So you, the main people, reason people know about it is through the cricket, cricket ground there. Um, yeah, and I'm married. Uh, my wife's called Claire, and I've got two children called Joel and Evie, who are three and one. And we've got another baby due in two weeks. So two weeks and two days. So uh, yeah, it's exciting times. And we just moved house three weeks ago. So it's been a busy period. And so you've been in Durham for a number of years, but recently moved to Chesterley Street. Why have you gone to Chesterley Street? Uh, well, I'll share a bit as, as, I, as I talk later. But um, basically, we're pl- we planted a, a new congregation there. So um, Emmanuel Church now exists as one church in two congregations, two locations in Durham and in Chesterley Street. And so uh, we lead that in Chesterley Street. Brilliant. Let's pray for you, and then we'll, let's go into God's words. Although we just thank you for, for Ali. We thank you for uh, his love of you. We thank you for his desire to see your name glorified, to see you lifted high. And Lord, we just pray he would uh, speak to us today uh, the words that you are speaking, that he would be uh, speaking uh, truth into our hearts that would change us. Lord, may we be open to all that you have got for us, and may you use Ali this morning uh, to bring you glory and to lift your name up in this city, in this region, and across the nations. Amen. 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 Thanks, Dan. Uh, it's great to, great to see you all. Thanks for having me. Um, managed to get down in the snow. That was fun, uh, but there wasn't too much. No, it was fine. And um, this morning, I just uh, Dan gave me a passage to speak on. And I just said I didn't want to speak on it, and so I'm doing my, <laughs> doing my own thing. Um, we're still going to look at the Bible, though, so that's good. And um, I love this church. I love this church. I've uh, not met you, the people, many of you before, um, but I love this church because I know the leaders and. Uh, Dan and Steve are uh, amazing people, and the wider leadership team that you have here, um, and you are led really well by uh, incredible leaders who are gifted, but more importantly, who love Jesus and have a passion for this church and for this city. And I just felt as I was preparing on uh, Friday that God wants to speak his well done over you as a church this morning. Very simple. But he says, well done, well done. And uh, as I was thinking about that, and then I uh, looked at Facebook on Saturday and saw Steve's post about the damage that had been caused over on Friday night, I just felt even more so, God would say, well done, <laughs> well done. Actually, although it might not feel like rejoicing at that, and you don't rejoice in one sense, but well done, because that's, <laughs> that's a, I think that's a sign, God's saying a sign that you are pushing in the right areas. You are pressing into this community. You are reaching out. And when that happens, there's opposition. And God says, well done. Persevere. Well done. You're doing well. You're running really well. But I feel also that he wants to say that now is a time for you to, um, in, for many of you as individuals, but corporately together as a church, to, uh, the, the picture I had, of, it's just very simple. I'm just you turning a corner and it's like the view that you've had up until now has been really good. The way you're going has been good. You, what, what, what you see, the, the, the things God's doing in you and through you as a church have been fantastic. But God's taking you by the hand, wanting to take you by the hand in this season, take you around the corner, and the view that you will see of what he does in you and through you will be even grander, even greater, even more amazing than it has been up until now. I really feel that God wants to take you around the corner. 
And so the word that, um, sort of the, the phrase that he's given me, the title, if you like, for this morning is simply this, responding, responding to God's call. Responding to God's call. The basic truth is that God is calling each one of you as individuals and me as an individual and you as a church, he's always calling you into new things. God is always wanting you to press into the greater purpose that he has for your life. There is always more of God. There is always more of his purposes. There is always more to pursue. There is never a place where you've suddenly explored it all, where you've reached all, where you've pressed in as far as you can go. There is more. And God is saying to you this morning, this is a time, this is a season for more. This is a time for you to press in for more of him and more of what he wants to do in you and through you. He's taking you around the corner, and there's going to be a far grander vision than you've ever experienced before. So raise up your expectations, lift up your eyes, and you will see more than you've seen before. He can do even more than you can ask or imagine. That's the God we believe in. Even more than you've asked for in the past, even more than you've imagined for your own individual life. Maybe right now you're looking at your life and... You think you've you've gone as far as you can ask or imagine. God says there is more than you can even ask or imagine in your life. And of his purposes, his kingdom to come in your life. When I talk to people about God calling them, about God's call on their lives, quite often I get blank looks and think, well, God doesn't call me. God's not really interested in me. He calls the leaders. He calls those missionaries who are sent overseas to, the, to those nations. And, and little old me, maybe you're thinking, in, in, in Hull, actually, God God's not really interested in me. I'm just an insignificant speck in his great purposes. But actually, that's so false. And this morning, I want to correct that thinking and say to you that God has a call upon your life. Whatever your background, whatever your circumstances, whatever your life looks like right now, God says he is calling you. There is a call from Almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who said, let there be light, and there was light. The one who spoke the universe into existence is speaking to you this morning and saying, I'm calling you to more. That's how interested I am in you. I'm actually speaking to you individually and as a church this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 say this. We're not going to dwell here, but if you've got a Bible you want to turn, you can, but we're going to be looking at Mark at some point once I'm done with the introduction. (laughs) 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 to 10 says this. God saved us and he called us to a holy calling. I'll repeat that. God saved us and he called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Amazing couple of verses. If you are saved this morning, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, then this passage says he has called you to a holy calling. Holy is just this kind of Bible word which talks about being set apart. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a significant set apart for God calling that you have upon your life. You haven't just been saved. You haven't just made it over the line. Now you're waiting, uh, 
twiddling your thumbs, waiting around, trying to get by until one day you get to heaven. No, there is a time now, a period in your life now, since you became a Christian, even if that was yesterday, since you gave your life to Jesus, God says, now you are called by me to a holy calling. I have things I want to do in your life, things I want to do through your life, People's, people and communities I want to transform through you. There is a holy calling upon you. Your job is holy if you work. Your family is holy. Your friendships are holy. Your free time is holy. What you do with these things, is, God is saying, is, should be set apart for me. There is a calling upon every single area of your life, not just when you come on a Sunday, not just the leaders, but just the, 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 the Monday, nine till five, if you like, reality, Monday through Friday, that is holy. It is set apart for God. God has a distinct purpose he wants to do in that and through you. And... It's like a journey. So God calls us to a holy calling. The very first step, the very first call upon your life is to surrender your life to Jesus. Many of us here, most of us I'm sure have done that. But there might be some people here this morning who, who are actually going to be hearing God call them this morning to make that first step, to surrender to Jesus. The God who loves you that much that he calls you to be his, to know him, is calling you this morning saying, Surrender. Give your life to me. It's the best life there is. It's life in all its fullness. This is the life you were created for, life with your creator God. Surrender to him. That passage we just read says that Jesus Christ abolished death and brought life and immortality through the gospel. Through his cross 2,000 years ago, Jesus abolished death and now he brings life. And he's saying to you this morning, he's calling to some of you this morning and saying, will you take that first step on the adventure with me? But for others of us, we've made that first step, but there's always more steps to make. There's always greater steps to go on. God is calling you to more. The next step and the next step. And it's like, <clears throat> it's like God is always one step ahead of us. Because God's always on the move. God is this dynamic God. He's not a static God. He, he's moving forwards. His purposes are moving forwards. And he's pulling us, even this morning, he's wanting to pull us forwards to be where he is, which is one step ahead. And then we, we, we catch up with God. And then he, he steps forward and he pulls us forwards again. And so this morning, there are pulls forwards. There are calls forwards in God's purposes that he's, that he's going to be speaking. And by his Holy Spirit, I'm trusting that even now, he's dropping things in our hearts. As we go through this morning, he's just going to be dropping things in our hearts, saying, I'm calling you to this. It might be something he wants to do in your life. It might be some new thing he wants you to do. It might be some new place he wants to, you to move to. It might be um, to do with your job. It might be to do with your family life. It might just be to do with your own spiritual well-being or things you need to give over to him. There are all sorts of things, but God is going to be calling us to more. Philippians 3 verse 12 says, I, Paul says, I press on. I press on. This dynamic thing again, this forward moving thing. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Pressing on. Responding to the call of God. Moving forwards. You know, if we... If we if, the mo one of the most dangerous things we can do in the Christian life is to, 
is to remain static. If you stay static and don't move forwards, you don't actually stay static. You move backwards. And you move backwards. Because there are calls all around us from the world, from maybe relationships that we're in, whatever. There are all sorts of calls which are calling out to us, say, follow me, believe this, do this. And if we're not hearing the call of God to follow him and to believe him and to trust him and to move forwards with him, we'll respond to these other calls and we'll move backwards. Settling is dangerous. If there are some people here this morning, I believe, who God's saying, stop settling. Start responding to my call for more and move forwards. Do not settle in your Christian life. We're called Regions Beyond. As a family of churches, we are Regions Beyond. I love that name. I think it speaks into something of what I'm talking about this morning. Regions Beyond. There are new regions, not just geographically. There are new regions in your life and in your journey with God. Regions beyond where you currently are that he's wanting to call you into. It's not just the leaders. It's each one of us. All around you, here's a quote, all around you, people will be tiptoeing through life just to arrive at death safely. But dear children, do not tiptoe. Run, hop, skip, or dance. Just don't tiptoe. God's calling some of us to stop tiptoeing through life, just getting by, remaining quite static, and he's calling us to press in for more this morning. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Can you just stand? I haven't finished. This is just the end of the introduction. Can you just stand? <laughs> just where we are. I just want us to say to God that we're available. We're available. Lord, we're available. God, whatever you are calling us to this morning, whatever next step on this adventure, on this journey with you that you want us to step into this morning, both individually but also as a church, Jubilee Church, Lord, would you speak, Lord, and would we hear and obey your call this morning? Lord, I pray for whispers of the Spirit. Even now, whispers of the Spirit, Lord, across this room. Those who have never really felt God say, speaks in this sort of way to move them on to new places. Lord, I pray this morning they would hear that beckoning call of their Father God saying, come on for more. You've done well. You're doing well. But there's more. Come around the corner and enter into this grander vision for your life and for your church than you've had before. So here we are, Lord. We're available. We want to go one step further on this adventure with you. It's an adventure. We love it but we want more, Lord. We want more, Lord. We want more of you and more of your purposes in our lives and in this church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great, please sit down. Um, we're going to be looking at a couple of uh, little extracts in Mark. So we are looking around the, the Bible a little bit this morning. Um, but I just wanted to see how, learn a few things from how Jesus responds to his father's call on his life. And so that's where we're going to go for the rest of this morning. So Mark chapter one, um, there's three Three lessons I want us to pick up um, from three little extra acts in Mark. So Mark chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. It says this, In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son. With you, I am well 
pleased. When we think about God's calling on our lives, the first, the primary, the most important, the one call, the one we need to keep returning to again and again and again is the call of the Father over your life saying, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, with you I am well pleased. Well done. Well done. And it's well done not just because you do anything, but actually he says well done over you as individuals and as a church because you are his. You're his children. I love you, God says. I love you. I love you. Jesus, the son of God, for all eternity, had the love and the approval and of, 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 of his father, of his father God. And this little um, episode here is like, is like a, a, a re, uh, an opening of, of the heavens, an opening of on earth of the heavenly reality that has always existed, which is Father God saying over God the Son, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And God the Son, for all eternity, receiving that love and affection of his Father and returning it back saying, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And that little episode isn't, is, is the reality of the Godhead, but it's also the reality that Jesus now welcomes us into because we are now in Christ. We're sons of God in Jesus. And so we now enter into exactly the same relationship with the Father that the Son has always had. And Jesus got this approval. He got these words of the Father before he did anything in his earthly ministry. This is right at the start. Before he goes and does the miracles, the teaching, all the amazing stuff, God the Father says, I love you. With you, I'm really, really pleased. And so over your life, before you hear the call of God to do things, you need to hear the call of God, which says, I love you. I love you. I'm really pleased with you. Before you do anything, that's weird. That's not how things work in this world so often. You do stuff to get approval, but God says, I love you before you do anything. You've got the approval already, and now we do the stuff. It's so important to grasp that because that's a place of security to actually then respond to the call of God to do new things and to step out. It's so releasing. It's so freeing. Because if I don't hear that call and don't constantly have that call of God saying, I love you, I'm really pleased with you before you do anything, then all the stuff I do for God is going to be to try and earn his approval. And it's going to be, it's going to be hard work. It's going to be tiring, it's going to be emotionally draining because we're always saying, now, if I do this, God might finally love me. I might finally get that affection. I might finally feel secure in myself. But God says, no, you can be so secure in yourself now because I already love you more than I ever could and as much as I ever can. When um, Claire and I <clears throat> were thinking about moving to Chester Street, which I'll share a little bit more on as we go forwards, but in the process of doing it, we uh, received a picture from someone in the church who knew nothing about our situation and what we were thinking, and the picture was of Claire and myself and our then only child, our son, Joel, um, traveling somewhere joyfully with backpacks on. And I love that picture, a really simple picture, but it really spoke into our situation and was one of the keys, actually, for us actually moving and, and taking a lead in what we're doing in Chester Street. And, but the picture for me has, is, is a picture of this joyful adventure of us as children with God our Father. And there's excitement. We're doing it joyfully. We're doing it in an excited way. And, and it comes out of this place of knowing 
He already loves us and he approves us. And we, it, it's, that's, that's where joy comes. That's where adventure in the Christian life comes when we can do it from that place of complete security. And I just feel there's people here this morning who just need to hear that. Maybe for the first time. You've heard it. Oh, God loves me. God loves me. Oh, yeah, he's, he's my father. We, we sang it earlier, the first song. Father, I come. But do you really know it in a way which transforms your life? In a way which means that you can now t- start taking risks for God. You can st- now start responding to his call and the risk of failure isn't really a risk anymore because you can't fail with God because he already loves you. Because if we don't know it, we, we, will, we will be paralyzed. We might do little things, we might step out here, we might, but we'll, we won't want to do too much because well, that, we might fail if we do that. We'll go beyond our, beyond our own abilities. Or we might, and God says, you can't fail with me. Come, my son. Come, my daughter. Be with me. Know me. Encounter my fatherly love afresh this morning. That is call number one. It's the primary call. It's the foundational call that everything else that we do, everything else we respond to needs to keep springing out of. It's the life source of doing new things for God. It's what motivates us. It's what compels us to step out with him. If you just um, go a few verses down, the next thing we learn from Jesus in chapter one as well, verses 35 to 39, is this. Rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were, who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone's looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Gal- Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. We learn here from Jesus that responding to God's call, in the midst of all of that, there's an absolute priority of prayer. The context of these verses is that Jesus has been mega busy. To say he was a bit tired would be an understatement. He must have been massively tired. He must have been, he must have been drained emotionally, physically. Verse 33 just, just before, it says the whole city was gathered together at his door. That sounds tiring work to me. I find it tiring when two people come to my door and we have them around for dinner or whatever. <laughs> but a whole city gathered around, my door, around, around his door. He is shattered. And the next morning, what does he do? He chooses to get up really early and to go to his father and spend time in prayer. This is a priority for Jesus. That's why he gets up early. We might not all get up early. Some of us are not early birds. But (laughs) 
We need to make prayer a priority. If we want to be people who hear the call of God on our lives, who hear what he's calling us into next, for this next season, for this next period of time, then we need to make prayer a priority because it's in prayer that, we, that these calls of God are birthed. It's in prayer that things start getting put into our hearts and we think, actually, this is now what God wants me to do. God wants me to change direction. God wants me to start this. He wants me to stop this. Whatever it may be. Otherwise, we'll be really, really busy, but we'll be really, really busy with all the wrong things. God doesn't really mind busyness. Life is busy. We can't necessarily not be busy, but it's being busy with God's busyness, with God's business, if you like, what he wants us to do that is absolutely key, not just with what we think is nice, what we think we should be doing. What is God calling you to today, at this moment, in this season of your life? If Jesus was alive today, he'd get more emails than any of us. He'd be on TV a lot, and on the TV chat shows a lot, more than probably many of us, uh, probably all of us, maybe we, some of us might have been on TV chat shows. He, he'd be, get loads of conference speaking events, he'd be all over the place, he would be busy, and yet I can guarantee that he would be devoting time to prayer. He would be in the midst of all of that, busier than all we are, or any of us are, and yet giving more time to prayer than any of us ever have. It was a priority for him. One of Mark's favorite words is the word immediately. It's quite funny, really. It's like immediately Jesus does that. I'll just pick out a few as we go through chapter one, if I can find some, hopefully. The Spirit immediately drove Jesus out of the wilderness. Um, immediately, uh, people left their nets and followed Jesus. Immediately, Jesus called them. Immediately, uh, on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. Immediately, he met this man in the synagogue. Immediately, he left the synagogue. Immediately, immediately, immediately. Now, I'm not a Greek expert, so I don't know exactly why he does it. But, but it sounds like there's a lot going on and a lot's happening at once. I don't know if your life feels like immediately this and immediately that. Everything seems to be immediate. Everything is urgent. You've got all of these things coming at you and you're like going crazy. My life has felt like that in the last few weeks. Moving house, trying to strip wallpapers, trying to paint walls, uh, which I'm not very good at, trying to do some sort of DIY. I'm not yet, can't even put up a shelf. It's always, <laughs> unless it's straight, it's all wonky. Um, all of these sorts of things. It's been crazy. There's been lots of church things. We've got a baby coming, so my wife's saying we need to get this ready and this ready and this ready, which is understandable. But there's a lot of immediately. There's a lot of this stuff happening in my life. And yet, what, what is God saying in the midst of all of that immediately? In the chaos and the busyness of your life, do you know what God's saying to you right now? Do you know what God's calling you to right now? Do you know how He's asking you to spend your time in that area, or how He's trying to, He's asking you to give yourself compassionately to this person, or whatever it may be? Are you busy with what you think you should be doing, or with what God is calling you to do at the moment? Notice what happened with Jesus. He prayed. The disciples said, come on, everyone wants you. Come and, come, and, come, and, come and go back to them. There's fame for you here. There's, there's loads of good stuff for you to be doing. And that must have been very tempting because Jesus was getting famous. People were loving him. I like to go where people like me. That's generally what we do as human beings. We like to be liked. Here's Jesus. He's got the opportunity for fame and affection. And yet he says, after this time of prayer, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. It's like he's been praying. 
And he's tuned in through prayer to what his father wants him to be doing right now. And so the disciples come. They're calling him to do all sorts of things. The call of the world around us, all of that busyness. But through prayer, he's heard the father say, now go on to the next towns and preach there also. Some of us need to hear the father say, now go on to the next towns, maybe literally, and preach there also. But what does that look like in your life right now? What is he calling you into? What more are you needing to hear from him through that place of prayer? I love the story of Nehemiah. For all sorts of reasons, but my favorite bit is the very first few verses where he just hears that the walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed. This is the holy city in the Old Testament. This was a, this was a bad, bad thing. The walls have been destroyed. And it says that he prays. And he fasts and he weeps before the Lord his God. That's his immediate response. To go to the place of prayer. And out of that place of prayer, which we see was, went on for a long time, if you look at how it all fits together. Out of that place of prayer, he, a call of God is birthed in his heart. And he goes and approaches the king and gets permission to go back to Jerusalem and to start rebuilding the walls there. If he hadn't prayed, if he hadn't given himself to prayer for that period of time... He might have missed that call of God on his life. He might have just—he was the cupbearer to the king. He had busy things to do. He had an important role, and he might have thought, "Well, I'll just crack on with this. Someone else will do that. That will get sorted. I'll crack on with what is before me—the immediate, the urgent." And yet he didn't. He stopped. He heard the call of God, and great things happened. How many calls of God are we missing because we're not going to that place of prayer? How many people's lives are not being impacted right now because we're not hearing what God is saying to us about this person or about this community? How many churches are not being planted around the world because we're missing that place of prayer and we're not hearing God burst something in our hearts. We're just cracking on with what seems to be immediate and important that is before us. It's in the place of prayer that God compels us. Let us go to the next town that we may preach there also. If we're going to see more people saved, if we're going to see churches planted, if we're going to see communities transformed, we need to make prayer and, dare I say, fasting a priority. Not an optional extra, but this way of tuning in to the voice of God and hearing his call on our life and our church right now. In our, in our moving to Chester Street, it was a long process, I don't have time to talk about it in detail, but it came out of a prophetic word uh, that a guy called Mark Jones, who I think has been here um, fairly recently, uh, shared with us as a church about inhabiting the region and particularly about going up and down the river Weir, um, which is the river that runs through Durham and through Chester Street. And <clears throat> there were a couple in the church who, who lived in the town and who, when they heard this word, really felt God call them, speak to them, burst something in their hearts about doing something in Chester Street. So they approached the elders. We talked about it. We prayed about it. And we said, great, sounds like a good idea. Or a God idea, I should say. <laughs> this is of God. And that all seemed very nice to me because I thought, great, there's some people who are going to go and do some stuff in Chester Street. This sounds exciting. I'll crack on with what I'm doing and I'm enjoying doing with the students in Durham. Durham's a beautiful city. I love living in Durham. We have a nice house. We've just bought it. It's good. This is all good. 
But then there was a call of God. And there was this stirring. There was this restlessness in my heart and in my wife's heart. That actually, there's something more. Initially, we didn't put the two together. But we thought that was still someone else. But there was this restlessness. There's something more that God wants for us than what we're currently doing. And so we thought about all sorts of options. But most importantly, we prayed. And as we prayed, this whole Chester Street thing, which was kind of obvious, I guess, but <laughs> the dots started joining in our minds. And then we thought, right, we really, really want to make sure this is from God. And so I was going to India for two weeks. So when I was there, I said, we said, right, let's just, over this two weeks, really give ourselves to praying into it. And during that period, I met a lady in a slum village, 60, 65 or, or so year old lady, who's an evangelist in that um, in those villages around that slum, um, who I'm pretty sure it was through a translator. Um, I had a conversation with, I said, can I, can I pray for you? I prayed for her, and she offered to pray for me, which was great. So I didn't go into loads of detail, but I just shared a little bit of what my wife and I were praying about. And as she prayed, I can't remember what she said, but she, through the translator, so it was probably mistranslated anyway. But um, <laughs> the, the gist of it from God that I heard was, just do it. It wasn't just because I was thinking about Nike, but just do it. <laughs> Just do it. And I, I got home and shared this with Claire. And she said that she had this picture that I shared earlier about you know, traveling somewhere joyfully with backpacks on um, from this lady in our church who knew nothing about the situation and what we were thinking about. And so the two together, we really felt God birth this in our hearts. But if we hadn't st- taken the time to stop and to pray, I think we might have missed it. How that works with God being in charge and sovereign, I've no idea. I don't really care. But I think we might have missed it. I think we might have not quite understood understood because I was enjoying what I was doing and it was going well and things were things seemed fine it wasn't like I desperately wanted something different at all and yet in prayer God started whispering so maybe some of us just think there's something God wants to do in my life there's definitely something God wants to do in your life right now there's definitely a call of God on your life it might not be to move somewhere might not be so one of those sorts of things but a call about something he wants to do in and through you right now and some of us maybe feel like we're so busy the main take home from today is just I need to stop and pray and give time to prayer and to hear God's ideas and God's purposes, not my ideas and my purposes. The third and final lesson we learn from Jesus is right at the end of Mark, Mark chapter 14. I'm sure there's many more lessons we learn from Jesus, but the third that we're going to look at today in terms of this responding to God's call, what he teaches us in terms of his relationship with his father John chapter 14, verses 32 to 36. And they, and they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Prayer again. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said, Simon... Are you asleep? And he kind of went backwards and forwards praying. We'll stop there because um, because of time. But the verse there, Jesus said, Abba, Dad, this close relationship with his father again. Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. That is the cross, this death I'm about to experience. Yet not what I will, but what you will. 
This is what I call a sweaty palm moment. Do you know those sweaty palm moments? It's when it's like you know God wants you to do something, and it all sounds fine or okay until you get really, really close to it, and the crunch comes, and it, the thing is, am I now going to go through with it, or am I going to back out? Because it's scary. Je- okay, Jesus was a lot more scary than most of the calls on our lives, because he was about to experience death on a cross, uh, probably all of the calls in our lives. But... We still have, in a, on a smaller scale, many of those moments where God has called us into something and we get to that point where we, we, we then have to decide, are we actually going to go through with this or not? And the palms start to get a bit sweaty because it's a bit scary and fearful. And what happens with Jesus is he prays again and faith overcomes his fear. And he says, not my will, but your will be done. And when we get to those moments... Where we feel inadequate, or we feel like fear might triumph, trump, trump, triumph over us, as it were, then we need to pray again, send out those arrow prayers to God, say, God help, God give me courage, God give me faith, because we need faith to overcome the fear that otherwise might rob us of the call of God on our life at that moment. So we've seen how busyness can rob us, fear can also rob us. Jesus overcame them both by prayer. And I feel like there are, what we need to be doing is getting us ourselves into a place where fear actually is something we're having to wrestle with. <laughs> that should be part of the Christian life. Because if we're truly responding to calls of God in our lives, then there will be calls which mean which are taking us out of our own human what we see as our own human adequacies, what we're able to do in and of ourselves. When we get to our place at the end of ourselves, we get to that place of complete weakness and we're crying out to God saying, God, help, this is scary. God, I don't think I can do this on my own. That is what Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was at that place and he models to us how it should be in the normal Christian life. I'm not saying day by day we have those, but regularly as part of our lives we have these moments where God is taking us into new places regions beyond and it's scary and we're crying out for God to give us faith to overcome and to press on through when we pray our, our, our eyes are no longer fixed on the difficulties and the fearful things around us as God calls us but our eyes are fixed upon God and as our eyes are fixed upon God Faith rises. And we're able to step out and do what we think we couldn't do. Do new things. Take risks. Go on the adventure. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning. We can do it because we can't fail, really. (laughs) Humanly, we might fail, but we can't fail in the eyes of God because we're a complete success already. He loves us abundantly already. God doesn't just call us to be his sons and his daughters. He also calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. They almost seem like in conflict, those two calls 
on our lives, and yet they need to go hand in hand. Because as we hear the call of God to be a son, to be a daughter who is utterly, utterly, utterly loved and accepted by him, he also calls us to press out, press on into more, into the fearful, into the unknown, (laughs) and to deny ourselves and to give ourselves sacrificially for those purposes in this world. On the one hand, it's like, we, 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 can, we can live in one or other of these calls, can't we? We can live in this place of, oh yeah, I'm loved and I'll just sit around and not really do anything because I'm loved and it doesn't really matter. Or we can live, which is, in, just, just doing that isn't very helpful. Or we can live in this place of, I've got to step out, I've got to deny myself, I've got to press on for more and forget about all this stuff and that's also not very helpful. Or we can bring the two together, which is a place of security, but also a place of adventure. And that's what God wants for us. Hearing his call. You are my son, you are my daughter, with you I'm well pleased. Prioritizing prayer, we tune in in the midst of busyness to what he is saying right now in our lives, not what we think should be a good thing or is the right thing. And allowing faith to overcome fear as we cry out to him. Let's stand. The band could come up, that'd be really helpful.